Radiothor was a refreshing health drink that contained water and near-lethal doses of the radioactive substance radium. I wonder what we're drinking today that 50 years from now will be considered toxic. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. It's old timey crimey. I'm Christy. I'm Amber. I'm Scott. Welcome to the apocalypse, everyone. <laughs> Holy hell. Like people are fighting over toilet paper. I don't understand why. I love this part of society whenever all things start to break down because it's the most honest you will ever see society. Uh, what are the most important things? A full stomach and a clean bottom. <laughs> but you know what? I don't think they're buying as much food as they are toilet paper. It's bizarre to me. You're not going to need one without the other. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I saw at Walmart, this was hilarious and tragic all at the same time. Uh, This was yesterday. A guy walked out of Walmart. He had two huge packages of of toilet paper in his hand. He was walking across the parking lot and not holding on to his three-year-old's hand. As he walked across the busy Walmart parking lot, no, the toilet paper, I'll fuck my wife and make another kid, but this toilet paper is mine. Priorities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, so that's where we are this week. That's basically how we are. We're just both all dealing with the apocalypse. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> of course you are. Me too. Me too. <laughs> oh, that's how that came up in conversation. I was talking about how you and I were prepared for the apocalypse. That's what yeah. Started it. <laughs> we will eat the bodies of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's been it's been a week. It's been uh, anxiety and everything, and uh, also I've been on antibiotics for my eye mm-hmm. and antibiotics oh. have this really fun uh effect of making me very weepy over just the the things that i I read an article about this cat at a shelter in britain and they held a birthday party for it and nobody came oh i cried five times <laughs> i would cry over that i mean crying over it once is okay Five times. I cried, like, repeatedly every time I thought about it. And then Jackson came home and I was like, I was reading this article. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it's a lie. Because if they threw a birthday party for it, they were there. So they were there. Nobody but the shelter people who were there would have been there anyhow because it's their job. Yeah. So, but, you know. Whatever. They were still there. (laughs) Honestly, I know cats. Whenever you have somebody new around, they fucking freak out. 90% of them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really sad. It was probably for the best. It was the best birthday that cat could have had. (laughs) Quite honestly, I don't want strangers coming to my birthday party. Like, I'm sure this cat had some sort of cat-based cake. I'm not saying the cake had cats in it. I'm saying it was good for cats. If I have, like, my angel food cake, my friends, the people that I'm familiar with, I'm happiest. So maybe it's a good thing for this cat that only the people that it knew showed up. I love that you guys are trying to find the bright side of the thing that I cried over five times. Well, I also really want to make fun of you, and I'm trying not to, so I'm going a different direction. I can't (laughs) help it. It's just, I I honestly sometimes will just, like, when, when it's at its worst... I've been, like, on the phone with my mom and just sobbing. And she's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> like, it is the damnedest thing. Except if, for cats' birthday parties. It yeah, breaks yeah. you. If anybody else experiences this, please get in touch because I feel very alone and I might cry about it. <laughs> no, no, right here. I will cry at the drop of a hat. But like, on antibiotics. 
Oh, it's, antibiotics? It's specifically when I'm on antibiotics. Other times I am prone to tears, yes, but this is when I will seriously be perfectly fine. I feel there's nothing wrong. I'm not sad about anything, and I can still just burst into tears. I was on I was on years and years ago. You remember this. Uh, the trimethyl sulfate that I was on, the antibiotic, that made me extremely sensitive to sunlight. Yes, okay. And extremely horny, and I don't know why. <laughs> But see, like when you're, when you're like, oh, you'll remember this. I'm, like, I drink a lot. <laughs> like, I might not. <laughs> Don't count on it, Scott. <laughs> Who are you again? <laughs> Do I know you? <laughs> so some uh, some people who probably took a lot of different medicines that we're going to talk about this uh, week. Mm. Yeah, this is uh, this good is a, segue. Yeah, I, yeah, I was. Uh, there's, there's, there's no way. There's no good way. <laughs> there's no good way to get there. So I'm just going to find the, the the easiest route from A to B. The Radium Girls. They were a great '80s pop band. Oh, Big God. hair. I love them. The pink <laughs> lipstick. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I do have a joke. I but after reading is it this about book, the pink lipstick? Yes, it is. <laughs> yep. There we go. <laughs> There it is. She's writing it down. No, I'm like trying to surreptitiously number my pages because they're not numbered and I know it's going to get super confusing. <laughs> so I'm like trying to do it without making too much noise on the microphone. I totally forgot to do this. Oh. So I'm like slowly making my way through it. I know this was really, really tragic, but as I was researching this, like I got a couple of really good laughs out of this. Okay. At least I'm not alone. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm good. a sick bastard. <laughs> I, I didn't laugh. I, I the book the book I read, which by the way I, we'll, we'll say it in the sources, but I'm going to say it right at the top. Radium Girls by Kate Moore, absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. Her her main goal, she said in the author's note at the end, was to actually like some people know the the general story of the Radium Girls, but she wanted to actually delve into these these girls' lives to stand where they stood, and she did an absolutely amazing job. I, not even from the antibiotics, just from honest to God, you know, like pure heartbreak was, was sobbing at the end. Oh, don't get me wrong. I feel for these women, but they're very early on. Like I, I read between the lines a lot and I could see some of the stuff that was happening that, that I found extremely humorous and we'll get there. Don't worry. Like right now you're going, Scott, you're a sick bastard. Like you're, you're cheering on the coronavirus. <laughs> And now you're talking about the funny side of radiation poisoning. We'll get there, I promise. But you are right. I am a sick bastard. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that part's not wrong. Yeah. So radium is, uh, at the time, it was the single most valuable substance on the planet. It was 120000 per gram. That's $2.4 million in today's money. So think about that. Think about something that one gram of it is worth $2.4 million. <laughs> And at the time, it was called the greatest find in history. Oh, no, no. Mm -hmm. How wrong they were. <laughs> nope, it, not, not good people. It was discovered in 1898 by Marie and Pierre Curie. There was your first warning sign, people. <laughs> there, that, that story did not end well. Well, it didn't end well, but it wasn't until much later that, that it didn't end well for her. For him, I was curious because I was like, oh, you hear about how Marie Curie died, but we never hear about Pierre. He actually died in 1906. Did you guys know that? He was... We do now. Well, yeah. You do now, yeah, because I just told you. <laughs> he was hit by a horse-drawn cart in Paris. How do you... 
he was very um, drunk in his head. He was he was he was the absent-minded professor. Okay. They even said like he was probably lost in thought about some scientific thoughts or discoveries or another, and just wandered into a very busy intersection at the Quai de Conti and Rue Dauphin. Um, that is. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, which, by the way, I, I always, when it's in France, I always look on the map. That's about 750 meters from the hotel we stayed at last summer. Ooh, fancy, I was like, fancy. I know exactly where that is. And you managed to not get hit by a horse-drawn carriage. Exactly, because there's, there's not a lot. Ironically, the horse was covered in radium, so it still counted. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it wasn't the horse, it was the wheel. The wheel went over his head and oh, it fractured his skull. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's bad. And it was probably his favorite part, too, because he was a really smart dude. I wonder if they're like the Amish horse and buggies where it would be like steel on concrete because that would be near decapitation. Mm-hmm. Well, probably not concrete, probably more like cobblestone. Still. Still hard, still, yeah. still rough, yeah. So in 1910, Marie Curie and André-Louis Dubien, nope, I think probably Dubien, isolated radium as a pure metal and actually historically radioactivity itself is measured in curies uh-huh. because of the curies i always heard it was sunshine units maybe like it, it could be one of those things that has That's different a cute names nickname. it's a Isn't really cute it? nickname for something horrible Isn't it? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it can be good because they found that it could destroy human tissue, so they used it to fight cancer. But, of course, after that, they were then touting it as a miracle cure for everything. Hay fever, gout, constipation, you name it, it ails you, radium will cure you. Eventually. Even, <laughs> even erectile dysfunction. This was oh, one there of, you they go. treated erectile dysfunction with radium because it made you feel so good. Hey, hey baby, why don't you come over here and give me a glow job? <laughs> Oh, no, that needs a high five. Thank you. (laughs) My hands are staying put. It was put in toothpaste for shinier teeth. Um, They had radium. Once again, you can do the glow job thing again. (laughs) Oh, God. It goes in two directions. (laughs) (laughs) They had radium clinics, spas, dressings, like, you know, like bandages and stuff, Mm -hmm. pills. They made fountain of youth type claims about it. Did the term male pouches come up at all? Because they made male pouches with radium infusement. Like mail that you send to people or like mail as in... Male pouches is the old term for condoms. Okay, okay, all right. That is actually kind of... No, I was not actually. I was thinking like men kangaroos. For Mm -hmm. some reason, that's where I went. (laughs) I'm not even drinking. (laughs) (laughs) They actually, uh, that you could buy yourself for $200, which is $4,000 today, a radium-lined jar and drink water from it. It was a health tonic, and the recommended dosage was five to seven glasses per day. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I guess um, don't eat the rich because they're all radioactive at this point in time. Okay, so this is how I feel about, like, those infused water bottles now. And people are like, it's so great. I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't trust it. And after stuff like this, I'm like, this is why I don't trust new things. This podcast has made me not trust any new thing. Like, we have have somebody at work that has a 100 hundred dollar water bottle what right right i've seen the bubbler the bubbler and it you put the thing in the bottom and then it, you twist flavor into your water this thing scares the shit out of me and nobody gets it but me like other people have gone out and bought it and it's the best thing ever and i'm so scared because of stuff like this yeah yeah <laughs> 
It's. It, I mean, it's true. It's. It was. It was called liquid sunshine. So I mean, they really were. Were, were basically like worshiping this stuff. Um, Marie Curie called it my beautiful radium. And a quote, another quote from her, these gleamings seemed suspended in the darkness and stirred us with ever new emotion and enchantment. Those emotions would change. Um, I, I love the fact that the, the paints that they mix this into, the, like, what do you think? Oh, it's like glow paint. It, it's shining paint or something. No, they called it undark. Undark, yeah. Undark. undark. Well, it was American inventor William Hammer went to Paris, got a sample of the radium salt crystals from the Curies, and then mixed it with glue and zinc sulfide to make the glow-in-the-dark paint, the the undark. Now, who has anybody here actually seen a radium watch? Yeah, that you can you can buy them like on like eBay. Yeah. Yeah. My uncle had a radium watch. You could fucking read the dial in a dark room, mm-hmm. like from twenty feet away. Well, and actually, aside from just watches, the the U.S. military used these for the airplane instruments, so that the pilots mm-hmm. could see all their instruments very clearly. My uncle's watch was bright enough; you could probably, if you held it down to a newspaper, you could probably read the newspaper from this watch. Well, I mean, it was used to light hospitals and theaters and grocery stores. There was even a uh, a hit song called Radium Dance from the Broadway musical <laughs> Amber knows what's coming Piff Paff Poof and that is uh that is exclamation points after everything. Of um, course. In 1904, uh they they were glow in the dark dancers but they didn't use radium because it was too scarce at the time. Um they jock straps, lingerie, butter, milk, cosmetics, fly killer, household cleaners. Now a lot of the th- these things were marketed as having radium in them, but didn't actually. Thank God for that. Yeah. Small favors, I suppose. And New thalidomide with radium. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, as we mentioned, the watch dials, um, both the dials and the, the numbers painted on them, uh, a tiny bit of radium powder mixed with zinc sulfide, and then water and uh, adhesive. And this became a big profession for young women in the day. So around uh, 1917, you had the Radium Luminous Materials Corporation in Newark, New Jersey, and they did all, all the things that Amber said. They did the watch faces, airplane instruments, gun sights, compasses. The studio opened in 1916, and you know the timing couldn't have been better for for business with the war coming. Now the way that they would go about this is they had you know some of these were were very very small the, the smallest pocket watch they painted was three and a half centimeters wide so imagine the numbers on that thing how tiny and delicate they would be they used these camel hair brushes with very fine hairs and uh, so they basically even for especially for these smaller items they needed to make the brushes even finer so they did something that was called lip pointing. There was actually a phrase that they used in the factory. Lip, Lip, dip, paint. paint. And the supervisor said, oh, don't worry if you swallow swallow a little bit of that. It'll make your cheeks rosy. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It was uh, not a technique used in other countries. They didn't use brushes. They had styluses. They had needles, rods. They didn't use brushes, and they didn't stick anything in their mouths. Um, Some of them said it had no taste. Some liked it so much that they actually ate it. Uh, which is freaking horrifying. They they would talk like like some of the some of the girls would go blow their nose and they'd laugh over their handkerchiefs glowing and they would go home and surprise their boyfriends. They would give them a little kiss on the cheek and tell their boyfriends turn off the light and then they'd see it, see the little glowing lipstick 
on their cheek, and then they went blowjob. And, and the, the girls themselves would gleam with radium. They were they were seen around town, and it was kind of like the job to have because they were these these shining girls, literally. They well on Fridays they would wear their best dresses, and they would deliberately get painted. So they would paint their nails with it. They would paint their lipsticks, even their teeth, to mm-hmm. make their teeth seem bright when they went out to like the. The, out with their boyfriends or whatever on a Friday night so they'd glow in the dark. Yeah. And they'd wear their best dresses because there's radium dust all over the factory floor, the studio they called it. So they would end up, you know, the dress itself would glow and then, you know, end up in the wash with everybody else's clothes later. Great. God, imagine fucking a glowing woman. But actually, this I thought this was pretty interesting. So they had somebody that came in and, and looked at the dust samples in the workrooms um, and they said that... Uh, from various locations, chairs not even used by the workers, all were blue in the dark. Uh, hairs, faces, arms, necks, dresses, underclothes, even the corsets mm-hmm. of these girls, blue in the dark. Now, these girls, they would get about, uh, it was piecework. They would earn about one and a half cents per watch, which is about 30 cents today. Uh, good workers could uh, turn out about $20 a week. $402 today. I spent so much time on my dollar converters. It was crazy. Um, and the fastest could do uh, double that. So that the, really the top salary around this time was 2080 a year, which was $41,000 today. Some of these women and girls were out earning their own fathers, which... Sounds great until you get to the end. Um, they were mostly teenagers. Uh, you, yeah. you had 14, 15, 16-year-old girls, some of them older, too. And uh, they were the top 5% of female wage earners. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a well-paid, glamorous job. Absolutely. Absolutely. For these girls that didn't have a lot of other opportunities, really. Well, yeah, because... Still, still, like, women's opportunities aren't, aren't even perfect nowadays. But a lot of the reason why women don't earn... The money that their male counterparts do is because they're not going out for those jobs that make a lot of money, like male doctor, uh, male stockbroker, <laughs> male weatherman. <laughs> so, and actually the studio opened there for a reason, because there was a built-in immigrant workforce there. A lot of these girls, they were first or second generation immigrants with, you know, Ger- German, Italian, Irish, Irish, Irish heritage. That's the way they pronounce it, because of all the gin and cancer. Irish. 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 I'm Irish. Irish. You're still my blue lighter. And they would even eat lunch in the workroom with all that radium dust. <laughs> my my buddy, Don. I, Don, I don't know if you're listening to this. Don is a fairly well-known guitarist in the area. And he was eating a ham sandwich back in the 70s as they passed Three Mile Island. <gasps> <laughs> the night that it melted down. Oh my God. So he was in a funk band at the time. And Don tells this great story. Don, if you're listening, I hope you don't mind if you if I tell you tell this story. I won't use your last name. But he shouts up to the bus driver and he goes, Hey, George, my sandwich is glowing. <laughs> and then George goes, George, just like the supervisor, don't worry about it. It's the phosphorus. And sometimes <laughs> phosphorus in the ham makes it glow. And like... Don goes, okay, that's a good enough reason. Don ate a fucking radioactive ham sandwich. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, on April 16th, 1917, America joins World War I. And so these luminous implements that they need, there's crazy demand to the point that Radium Corp. had to uh, leave the plant in Newark and open a new one in Orange, New Jersey. 
Uh, they had not just the dial painters, but radium extraction, labs and processing. They had several buildings. It was quite the, quite the operation. And the call for dial painters was seen as doing your part. It was, you know, your brothers are going off to war. You want to do something patriotic? Well, you can paint the implements that they're going to use in order to win the war. Um... There was lots of overtime. The studio went to 24-7, and some of them even would etch their name and address into the watch in the hopes that they might get uh, a little note from a soldier in return, which is kind of sweet. Aww. <laughs> they, they weren't looking for a note. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. For a good time, Carl. Um, so, uh, You'll know me. I'll be the girl you can see in the fucking dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't miss me. There had been 70 in Newark, but when they opened the Orange Factory, at its height, there were 375 dial painters. And at the, the factory held social events like picnics. There were a couple of little workplace romances. It was I a very... they didn't have any lights on. Oh, of course they didn't. <laughs> they don't need them. Don't need them. It was a very... Um, it was, it was, even though it was wartime, I think it was very idyllic for these girls. They were making friends, friendships that would last for years. They were... The, 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 not that many years. Not that many not years. Not that many years for most of them, yes, but some years. Um, they were, you know, they were finding their, their, their bows and they were, at, at, you know, what they considered the prime of their life and doing a great profession that everybody envied and wanted to do. And saving so much money on the electricity bill. <laughs> so much money. So they actually got a set amount of paint each day and they couldn't request more and they also couldn't skimp. So it, it could be very, you had to be very exacting with how much paint you use because it would be seen as either wasteful or you're turning out a shoddy product. Or you're addicted and you're drinking it. <laughs> so they would share some of the extra between them. If, some, if somebody has extra, they would share it. And they also had, they had water rinse bowls that, you know, they said, oh, well, you can rinse the... The brushes in here, but the, still the lip pointing technique was used and was what was taught as well. You could get a little extra from the water rinse bowls. Now, these water rinse bowls that were given to them were very quickly taken away because they were considered wasteful. So now pretty much it was lip point or nothing. I think that you could... Pro I would say an argument could be made that you would save money with the water bowls. Because otherwise, this is a whole bunch of radium... That I can take this water bowl and evaporate the water and kind of reclaim the radium, whereas I'm not going to be able to get Susie's turds out of the toilet. Possibly, but I think they basically what they saw, they didn't think of it that way. They didn't think of any sort of way of making it cost-effective. They just saw radium in the water being reused, and mm -hmm. they were like, oh, well, if you can reuse the radium in the water, then you must be wasting it if, if you don't use it. So we'll just take it away. They, even, they gave them cloths little cloths they could use to clean radium from the brush and they took those away too again it's it's too wasteful it's just you know what's coming and especially if if, if you're reading this book it, the it's just you're you're watching people walk towards a cliff and instead of you know helping them avoid the cliff somebody is just pushing them towards it with but, more and more speed and grinning the whole time one of the things that actually really upset me about this is they were aware that radium could possibly be dangerous they thought in small doses it was great for you but at the same time the men working with radium had on the lead aprons yep. and all of the safety equipment whereas the women they're like stick it in your mouth it's fine yeah like blows my mind that they're like no it's dangerous for men women are fine i've done this podcast for a year it doesn't blow my mind at all this seems <laughs> just about right par for the course mm. still <laughs> heartbreaking so let's talk about katherine schaub um she started on february 1st 1917 
Uh, she was only 14 at the time. She had previously... Oh, that's good. Poisoning and child labor. Yep, Yay! there you go. Uh, they, well, okay, I had a thought while I was working on this that it, it occurred to me. Um, so just a, a quick little epiphany that I had. Eh, there's a stink bug on the microphone. <laughs> Right there. We've got a new co-host, everybody. <laughs> this is stinky. <laughs> so uh, my, my epiphany was there, there's this idea that there was this long period of time in American history when you could just have a one-income family with the, the, the man you know, bringing home the bacon and the, the little woman at home cooking and, and, and cleaning. Cooking the bacon. Cooking mm-hmm. the bacon, yes. And the thing is, is that was a, such a super short period of time because... Prior to, you know, the 1940s and 1930s, there wasn't one income. You were sending the kids out at 13 to, to go make a living. So pretty much, pretty much right before, like right before 1950, I would say you could probably make a living on a single income from 46 to 63. And I, I'm picking, I'm picking those two dates for a reason. I'm picking 46 because right after the war, you have the post-industrial World War II industrial boom, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then you have the assassination of JFK, which just threw the country into a fucking tizzy. So I think right there is your sweet decade the the nineteen fifties, a little bit before and a little bit after. You've got a, a sweet spot of about. Uh, 18, 20 years. But even after that, I think it was doable. It was just women didn't want to stay at home. Because, like, I know even with, with my dad, his income could have supported us and did when we first moved here. My mom couldn't find a job. But she was going nuts because she had to stay home with us. So, like, she didn't have to work. Hmm. She wanted out of the house. And I, I think, like, in the in the 80s and 90s, even, you could still do that. I but can guarantee. I don't think women wanted to do I that. I can guarantee not, because my mom worked in a shirt factory, and my dad worked in a brickyard. And it was out of necessity. I can remember my mom saying, I wish I could stay home with the kids. Yeah, my mom, she, she stayed home with us for a while, but eventually she, you know, I, I think she did... Um, I think she she started her own business and and started a nail salon and went to cosmetology school and everything. I think she did that out of wanting to, but there were many times when her working was out of necessity. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. it was part it was partially because she wanted to, but also partially because she saw an opportunity and knew that you know it was also out of necessity. So so yeah, I just I just I, I think of people who look at this period of time. He is walking on the microphone. I wonder if it's changing the sound. I wonder. Yeah, like he's right on top of the microphone. He is definitely. He, oh, he, is he? Do you have anything to say, sir? (laughs) Or ma'am? It's hard to tell. He's getting into... He's, like, getting lower. Is he trying to be inside it? Do something about this? No. No, no. I think this is fine. This is hilarious, actually. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm afraid it's going to fly in my mouth. It's got the coronavirus. (laughs) All right. So, back to Catherine Shaw. Uh, 14 when she started. She had actually... This wasn't her first job. She had, had been wrapping parcels for Bamberger's department store. So, she... Didn't have much education, but she was very smart and artistic, uh, had aspirations towards being a writer. She started as an apprentice inspector, but by March, she was dial painting. She wa- she wanted to dial paint. She, again, it was seen as this, the job. She lip-pointed less than some of the others. Some of them did it uh, every number that they painted. Some of them did it a few times per number. She basically would do it four to five times per watch. 
And about age 15, she goes to the doctor. She has a, a breakout. You know, she's a teenager. It happens, but something seemed a little odd. He does blood work, and he finds some results that make him ask some questions. And he... So is there a reason your pimples are glowing? <laughs> <laughs> he asked if she worked with phosphorus. It was a known industrial poison in the area. And she comes to, you know, back to the, 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 the factory and mentions it to the girls. And they all get concerned uh, about this. And they're all assured everything is fine. And the, the people who assure them of this are uh, um, Savoy, Von Stachaki, and co-founder George Willis. Savoy, Von Stachaki, he was 34 from Australia, and he invented the luminous paint in 1913. Um, and the company sold 2,000 watches in its first year. And by 1917, they'd sold millions of watches. He actually studied under the Curies. He was called one of the greatest authorities in the world on the subject of radium. He knew the dangers of radium exposure from the Curies. He saw that it would burn skin. Um, it could destroy your sight. It, it could kill you. Uh, radium got into his left index finger and he cut the tip off because he knew it could get further than that and be a problem. Um, uh, but he would still play with the radium. I love the fact that he's, he sees the radium the same way we see zombie bites. Well, I got a little bit in my finger. <laughs> Shut that sucker off. He would hold tubes without gloves. He would immerse his arm in it. So even knowing this, even knowing, and pre... Wait, 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 hold on. Time out, time out. So if he got it in his finger, he cut his finger off, but then he would stick his whole arm in it? Yeah, yeah. Did he cut his arm off? No. Oh, my God. I'm wondering if he maybe got a particle of radium in the tip of his finger. Like, if he got, like, a cut oh, on yeah. the tip of his finger. And then it, it, like, well, they, it, they also would have lesions from handling it as well. So it could have gotten into a lesion. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I could see that. But it's like, ah, I don't have any cuts on my arm. Whenever I worked in a laboratory, we had a guy. He was the boss. He would wash his hands in fucking hydrochloric acid. Because he knew that, hey, as long as I don't have a cut everything's going to be fine. Hydrochloric acid is not as strong as you think it is. It's like there are dangerous acids. Hydrofluoric is deadly. You don't want to do this with sulfuric acid. Hydrochloric acid, fairly weak. I don't think we should tell encourage people to do that, though. Definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not do it. But anytime that he had like a visitor in the lab, he would pour a like hydrochloric acid. It was an incredible waste of resources. But he would pour... <laughs> pour hydrochloric acid over his hands and wash them in the sink. And whenever the water would hit the hydrochloric acid, like the steam would just fly off of his hands. And we would even, we would wash our equipment in what was called one-to-one. -one. It was one part the ionized water to one part hydrochloric acid. We had it, any, any red bottle that you saw in the laboratory, like red squeeze bottle had one-to-one -one hydrochloric in it. And we would take, like if we needed a test tube and there were none available, we would go over to the sink Spray one-to-one, -one, little puff of smoke, and rinse it out with deionized water, and you were good to go. We have completely derailed Christy. Okay, so I he has his arm intact. <laughs> yes, he has his arm intact. Um, he, at one point... All right, so I'm going to introduce a couple more uh, characters here, some of, our, some of our people involved. Albina and Molly Maggia, uh, 21 and 19. I like sisters. to think Albina is pure white. <laughs> <laughs> well, Molly is actually Amelia. So th their names are much more rhymy than they seem. Ah. Yeah. Uh, they're daughters of Italian immigrants with seven daughters. Um, they, they also brought in their sister, Quinta, uh, at age 16. 
And she became good friends with one Grace Fryer, who was the fourth of ten children. And she was one of the fastest. She could do 250 dials per day. So one day, Grace Fryer is uh, doing her thing. She's lip pointing. Uh, Vaughn Sachaki comes by. And this is the one time that she saw him and interacted with him. He comes through. He sees her lip dip paint. He says, do not do that. You will get sick. And that's it. So Grace goes to the instructress, Miss Rooney. And Miss Rooney said, there's nothing to it. It's not harmful. This is the level of care that we're seeing here. Um, and, and a lot of watches are being made. In 1919, the company produced 2.2 million watches. In 1920, they produced 4 million. Um, but it did seem that a lot of um, watch companies wanted a little bit, I think, more control over it. So basically, they were switching so that the watch companies, the, the, this company would have in-house studios for watch companies. And so the workforce in Orange started to whittle down, and a lot of the original girls found other jobs. That kind of comes into play because it, the, the further away they get from that particular occupation, the harder it is to connect things to it later. Various girls start to show some odd symptoms. They're very tired all the time. There's lots of joint issues. They have jaw and gum pain and loose teeth. Lots and lots and lots of loose teeth. Scott is checking his teeth with his tongue yep. right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did that a lot while uh, I was reading this. Everything seems okay. I got the joint pain and I'm tired all the time. I just, I just think it's because I'm unhealthy. <laughs> In, <laughs> Probably uh, all the radium I'm eating. In 1920, uh, the radium company found a, a, a good, wholesome use for its industrial waste from radium. Its industrial waste from radium extraction. It looked like sand, so they sold it to playgrounds and schools for sandboxes. Nice. Excellent. Oh, yes. Yes. And then in 1921, there's a takeover, and Willis and Von Sachaki, the original founders, are out, and it now becomes the United States Radium Corp. Hereafter, I will call it USRC, because it's just easier. And I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) So Molly Maggia that we mentioned earlier, she's the first to go to the dentist for a toothache in 1921. And then they extract the tooth, and afterwards, it just, the, the spot will not heal. It's inflamed. Uh, she had some treatment and didn't get better, and then she had to get more teeth out. What's weird here, ma'am, is that you've got tumors growing on your teeth. I didn't even think that was possible. Yeah, right? Um, the extractions on those never healed, and she got ulcers in the socket. They actually called this, this was not the first time this would happen, this was called radium jaw. No, it was called fossy jaw. Fossy jaw? They didn't know it was radium jaw just yet. They thought it was phosphorus. See, I have it as radium jaw. Well, phosphorus, they didn't they, they didn't think it was harmful. They didn't think it could possibly be the radium that would cause it. Later, they call it radium jaw when they actually are like, oh, yeah, oh, it was the radium. radium. But phosphorus was a, such a known industrial poison at the time that it would do similar things to the jaw that they actually called it fossy Fos- jaw. Fossy jaw. Fossy jaw. Fossy right, jaw. So it's very I, jaunty. I have some details on this. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Amber right. comes up with the sexiest details. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is going to be sexy. All right. In, in the sexy. place of the missing teeth, agonizing ulcers sprouted as dark flowers blooming red and yellow with blood and pus. Sexy. They seeped constantly and made her breath foul. Then she suffered aching pains in her limbs that were so agonizing they eventually left her unable to walk. The doctor thought it was rheumatism and sent her home with aspirin. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so cure a nuclear bomb. 
If just the people of Hiroshima just would have taken five aspirin, they would have been fine. But wait. Oh, wait, there's more. Oh, it gets better, yeah. Six aspirin. By May of 1922, Molly was desperate. At that point, she had lost most of her teeth. The infection had spread. Her entire lower jaw, the roof of her mouth, and even some of the bones of her ears were said to be one large abscess. (sighs) But worse was yet to come. No. (laughs) Yep. When her dentist prodded delicately at her jawbone in her mouth, it broke against his fingers. He removed it not by an operation, but merely by putting his fingers in her mouth and lifting it out. He just lifted her jawbone out? Just lifted it right out. Oh, no! This is not the first we will see of this. So, uh, or not the last, rather, sorry. <laughs> one, one of the things that radium does is it acts kind of like calcium, so it gets into the Spoilers. Bone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll hold off. I'll hold off. I'm backing out. <laughs> no, backing it's okay. Out. No, 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 no. Don't, just, don't jump ahead. <laughs> I could have went the rest of my fucking life. Without the thought of some guy removing a jaw gingerly from his patient's mouth by hand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they would just have the... Oh, no, she gets worse, though. Oh, I, yeah, I don't yeah. want to jump ahead, though. No, no, no. Well, no. Well, just timeline, timeline. <laughs> <laughs> removing that infected bone, and, and any time they removed the infected bone, it actually sped up the necrosis, which is just things dying horribly. So the more they, they take, the faster it spreads. And so they think, you think they're removing an infection, you know, you, you can you can keep it from spreading, but it's actually doing the freaking opposite, which is just, ah. Oh, it's, it's, it's. I, I want everyone to realize right now, I'm giddy over the coronavirus. This is giving me the creeps. Because <laughs> at least the coronavirus will just kill you outright. This, however, is like the walking death. Yeah, no, these women were in excruciating pain uh, before they were ended. Hang on one second. But they were pretty because they they were glowing in the dark. That's true. So there's that. Yeah. At least they were pretty, kind of, sometimes. The the podcast I listened to and the Wikipedia article did not get too in-depth with how disgusting this was. Oh, you took the the nice, easy, breezy way out. (laughs) I didn't. There's there's some real grossness coming up. I was, I'll be honest, I was afraid to look at pictures. Oh, I have some pictures. Never mind. Later, if you want. Maybe, maybe, you know, I had a rough time sleeping this morning, so... Yeah, maybe later. Just to... like if you if you if you want to go on a diet and you want to throw up a lot, I mean, look at the pictures for the radium girls. Yeah. I think that's not called diet. That's called bulimia. <laughs> no, because there's no fingers involved. I think it's still called. If you're, you'll still throw up. Yeah, you're... <laughs> is what he's saying. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, the doctor actually, one of the things he started thinking was, well, you know, she's an unmarried woman living outside of her parents' house. You know, maybe she's a floozy and she's got the syphilis. So he does a test for that. It comes out negative, And then he does another test. And this one comes out positive, but she's not told. And, uh... It's it's not actually positive. I'm just gonna just gonna clear her name right now. It's not actually positive. No, um, but the company jumps all over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They certainly take that and run. So everybody's like, she's a floozy. It's yeah. fine. Don't worry about her. Everybody and, knows sluts lose their jaw. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and on falls <laughs> right off. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I wouldn't have a face. It's called, <laughs> it's called slut jaw. <laughs> so um on September 12th at 5 p.m., 
Her mouth flooded with blood and she hemorrhaged so badly that they couldn't staunch it. And she died a, uh, as her sister Quinta said, a painful and terrible death at 5 p.m. The age of 24. Yes. So meanwhile, in Ottawa, Illinois. One quick point back to the syphilis, because why not? They actually, the doctors reported that erroneously on her death certificate. They put oh, yeah. syphilis. Yeah, as the cause of death. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that way. As the disease ate its way through her jugular vein and she choked on her own blood, the doctors are like, mm, syphilis, floozy. This is what you get for the dick. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, in uh, Ottawa, Illinois... The Radium Dial Company is looking for dial painters. <laughs> this should end well. Right. They insist that they be 18 or over, but some underage girls sneak in, of course. And there, they're also using the lip dip paint technique. Uh, Instructress Mercy Reed would eat radium paint off of a spatula during training to emphasize its harmlessness. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And She's gonna regret that. They they didn't they weren't as stingy with the radium uh, here at, oh, at the good. radium dial corp. More so, radium. Yeah, the, <laughs> the girls would. They, there was a what they called the dark room there, and the girls would go into the dark room and they would paint their skin, their lips, their eyelashes. One of them took it home and painted some of her walls. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't all the walls. I'm sure it was like decorative, but still not great. The um, house got cancer and died. So once again, we have more glowing girls that are the envy of all, and they are nicknamed, quite prophetically, ghost girls. I'm glad you said it, because I'm not saying it. <laughs> Why aren't you saying Oh, no, damn it, damn it, I missed an opportunity. Uh-huh. What were they called, Amber? What were they called? You said it. What were they called? Nope. What were they called? No. Nope. What were they called? Mm-mm. Amber well, sometimes can't say things without making them Minnesotally. So uh, <laughs> she would say ghost girls. <laughs> I'm getting flipped off. <laughs> this episode of Old Timey Crimey is sponsored by Best Fiends. So, uh, you guys been playing Best Fiends? Oh, I have. I'm in the 900s now. <laughs> what <laughs> the no. hell? I just started like three weeks ago. <laughs> this is, you do this at work, don't you? Yes, this is what I do at work. <laughs> oh, where are you at? Level 120. You're getting there, buddy. No, You're getting there. I'm, I'm just... It is so complicated once you get to a point, but it's so satisfying whenever the slugs die and you've got 15 waters and 85 mushrooms. It is fantastic. It feels like I've accomplished something. I find myself like hoarding things now. Yes. Oh my gosh. The hoarding is happening. We hoard keys in this household. Oh, you hoard you hoard the keys? Yes, we hoard the keys. I, I hoard the yellow guys. I'm over a million. <laughs> oh my over gosh. a million yellow guys. I'm over a million. I am on level... 1065. So Best Fiends, it's a puzzle game you can play it right on your phone and it's really cool because you go through all these levels solving challenging puzzles that actually engage your brain but it's a casual game that anyone can play just like all three of us. We are we are all very different people and we still uh, have a great deal of fun in the game. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. 
in New Jersey in November in 1922. We are going to be hopping back and forth between the two, uh, Ottawa, Illinois, and uh, Orange, New Jersey. I considered separating them and doing one week of uh, the, the Orange girls and one week of the Ottawa girls, but I don't think I can handle two weeks of this. So I, I was going to say, I actually have uh, the Waterbury, Connecticut girls, too, in my oh, research. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So there, was, there were several plants, and they were all going through the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, when we, when we get to that point, jump in with that, because I didn't include too much of that in my research. Okay. Um, so uh, in November of 1922, back in Orange, Irene Rudolph uh, is going through the same issues as Molly. And once again, it's assumed it's Fossey Jaw. The radium is never, ever questioned. It's always assumed that phosphorus must have gotten in there somehow. They well, just assume. Well, and at the time, people are still, like, lay people are still brushing their teeth with mm-hmm. the radium and using it as health supplements. So you have to understand, this is not just the radium girls. This is everywhere. People yeah. are thinking it's healthy. These are just the people who are, like, basically eating it on a daily basis. And I think... Like, all day long. Yeah, I am absolutely 100% certain that the radium dial company, at the very least, knew about the hazards. Because oh, yeah, they did, yeah. as people started dropping dead left and right, the radium dial people went, Why do you people jump ahead so much? Sorry. <laughs> I will back I off. Like this. No, it's okay. It's okay. I read 400 pages, and it was mostly linear for once. Most, mm-hmm. most books like to jump around all over the place, and I have to try to like straighten out the timeline. I'm like, I will make you linear, damn it. And this one, it was like, oh, this is nice and linear. And then you guys are like, I'm going to jump ahead seven pages. <laughs> go right no, ahead. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I feel bad now. No, don't feel it's bad. It's okay. Go ahead. I was going to jump ahead seven years. That's why I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> but in, in, an, in an effort to kind of like, uh, kind of cover their asses, they did away with the lip dip paint and got these little radium pens in for the girls to use to, to paint the watch covers. So I've got to believe that they believed Well, that way. lasted all of about 10 minutes anyhow. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, uh, yeah, Irene Rudolph is going through some of these same issues. And then in December of 22, she is in the hospital with anemic, her, with, anemia, with anemia. Her mouth is getting worse. Uh, she hears about Molly's death and tells the doctor that another girl is sick, um, Hazel Vincent. So they're starting to think really might be the plant. Maybe, you know, they're, they're like, okay, maybe it's still the plant. This doctor, um, Dr. Allen, he sees all these cases coming from the same place and he reports the possible phosphorus poisoning to the industrial hygiene division. They send out an inspector to the orange watch factory and this inspector notices the lip pointing, notices workers with a limp. Okay, so the New Jersey Department of Labor gets in the mix here. Um, they talked to a radium authority who said, necrosed bones from radium? That's not a thing. My radium should make these bones strong, healthy, and glowing. (laughs) Bring them vigor. (laughs) Vim and vigor. Vim and vigor. Vim and vigor. So they had, uh, they did have the paint tested by a Dr. Martin Smoltzamatolsky, maybe, who said, hey, Radium is is the cause here, uh, but there were mountains and mountains of positive research that would contradict him. Unfortunately, this uh, positive research was in journals that were made by radium medicine firms. Climate warming. <coughs> Dude, does anybody anybody see a conflict of interest here? Maybe. Maybe we shouldn't uh, listen to the people who have a vested interest and are making money and mountains and mountains of it. We think all these women are dying of dirty cigarette ashtrays at home. 
so Samatolsky, he did say you should warn the workers that they're going to get, you know, if they get their radium on their skin or their mouth, they could be in danger. That goes ignored. The Department of Labor does jack shit. So uh, back in Ottawa at the Radium Dial Company, and every time I say Ottawa, I think Canada, I can't help it. Um, they have over 200 girls. Their, their main client is West Clocks. Uh, which has 60% of the U.S. alarm clock market. So lots and lots of work here. And in June 1923, one Helen Quinlan, age 22, dies of Vincent's angina, which is... Funny to say. Yeah, it really is. Uh, It's a bacterial disease that is an infection of the gums, mouth, and throat. So it's not confirmed by any tests. We don't know. But we can make some educated guesses here. Because she was a floozy. That's right. <laughs> Whores get what they deserve. <laughs> In July 15th, after multiple operations and transfusions, Irene Rudolph dies. Uh, she had complete necrosis of the jaw. Again, supposedly from phosphorus poisoning. She was 21 years old. Here's the problem. Phosphorus and the radium. Yeah, that's definitely the problem. So, uh, days after this, uh, her cousin uh, was Catherine Schaub that we mentioned earlier, uh, who'd been having some problems too. She goes to the Department of Health and she makes a report and she says, it's the lip pointing. This girl was just, she was there. She was saying all along, it's the lip pointing. And they just wouldn't listen. Um, They do make a memo uh, and they file it with a statement from the plant foreman saying that her claims were not true. And they probably put troublemaker in her mm-hmm. folder. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so Quinta Maja, another one of the Maja sisters, now McDonald, she has bad rheumatism. 82 doctor visits in one year to treat the pain. And the doctor would actually come out and do these particular treatments. That is $3 a visit which is $45. Um, no, that math doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, okay. I knew I was going to get confused there when I wrote that, and still I continued on. That was $3 a visit. Uh, that's $45 in today's money. Um, so uh, that would add up to uh, about $4,000 today, uh, all on these doctor visits. So she had the same insurance that we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about, that sounds about right. In 1925, she had 90 visits in one year. I mean, that's, wow. that's, the doctor is basically like, he has a bed at your house <laughs> and he's, 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 you know, starting s- a relationship with your husband. You know? I got some good news and I got some bad news, ma'am. Uh, the, the bad news is your jaw has fallen off, but I'm sure you've noticed that. Mm-hmm. The good news is we've hit that deductible. So. <laughs> so Catherine Schaub starts having mouth pain. She has two teeth removed. And the dentist says the teeth were flinty and broke easily. Not promising. Didn't heal. She has five visits to the dentist in one month. Uh, these were $2 each, which is $30 in today's money. Uh, and Once again, the same insurance we have. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, it's, it's just, she has an extraction. It's just nothing is fixing anything. And uh, in 1923, on December 16th, another former coworker, Catherine O'Donnell, dies of pneumonia and gangrene of the lung. Didn't know that was a thing. 
don't know if it's connected to the radium. Just said it because I was like, what the hell? That's like that's like saying that's like saying like you have cancer of the heart. Like, you yeah. never hear of heart cancer. I didn't know you could get gangrene of the lungs. Yeah, yeah. That seems I mean, like maybe some... it's something else now. Maybe that's an old timey name for it. I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I mean, we do have like new names for like stuff like pleurisy and consumption and what have you. But gangrene of the lung, it's necrotic lung. That's yeah. yeah your lungs are dying while you're still using them. Mm-hmm. That ain't supposed to happen. Mm-mm. Like, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but we tend not to get diseases too badly in things that we use all the time. Like, they tend not to die until we die. Mm-hmm. Lungs are, like, one of those things. Yeah, we get cancer in the lungs, but that's kind of, like, our own fault a lot of the times. Heart, you know, like, heart's being used constantly. You never hear of, like, cancer of the heart and what have you. And actually, there's starting to be studies based on that. Because uh, bodybuilders are not getting cancer in the rates of everybody else. Huh. Except for brain cancer. But that is a completely different they don't subject. Use it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> But, but yeah, it's, it's showing there's a whole bunch of stuff. Essentially, if you don't use it, you're going to get it. Um, we're, we're starting to see like, like the organ system and like the skin system as kind of a, not so much like, not so much something to keep us alive, but as an immune system going into it and so there's a whole bunch of research on that that's absolutely fascinating hmm. but for your lungs to just start rotting yeah it's oh. it's fiberglass workers used to get gangrene of the lungs from johnny eponymous thank you oh. johnny thank you johnny <laughs> live fact checking mm-hmm. love it Aww. it's what killed his gramps oh I'm, I'm sorry bud i am I'm so sorry. sorry so in uh in orange New Jersey, you had enough former and current USRC employees, the, the, the dial painters, coming to dentist Dr. Barry that he is absolutely sure this is occupational. And he says, you got to quit USRC or I will not treat you. You know, if you don't, basically don't quit doing the thing that I'm sure is causing this, I can't, you know, do anything about it, which, spoiler alert, you can't anyhow. Um, in late 1923, USRC did stop the lip pointing because the acid in the saliva spoils the adhesive. Well, there you go. There you go. That's definitely the biggest problem here. Yeah, that, that's the issue. That's, that's our biggest problem, is. yeah. And so in early 1924, other doctors in New Jersey are seeing cases of various ailments that won't heal or improve with treatment, but you have... Again, these girls, some of them are several years out from having actually worked at USRC. And you also have the problem of lack of communication. So it takes so much longer for that realization to kick in for everybody, but pretty much Catherine Schaub and Dr. Perry. These are the two people who are like waving the red flag over here and mm-hmm. everybody else is just completely ignoring them. And so finally, Hazel Vincent, uh, now her last name is Kuzer, goes to a New York City specialist, Dr. Theodore Bloom. And the diagnosis is poisoning by radioactive substance. Fucking finally. I literally wrote finally there too. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, finally. About time. (laughs) It was getting real frustrating. Uh, He admitted her for her first of many jaw operations. And he said to her husband, a lot of the times they would do this so much. It was super infuriating. They would say to the husband, she's not going to recover. She's not going to make it. She's going to die. They would never tell the woman. 
oh, you know, well, she can't handle it, you know. It, it's just, but it, you should know. You should be, and not have to wonder, you know, like one way or the other. It's just, it's kind of it's kind of aggravating. But he did say to her husband, there is little chance of recovery. So, listen, your your wife's teeth just fell out and, like, embedded themselves in the wall whenever she sneezed. So, she's probably not going to make it. Yeah. I suggest placing a personal ad in the newspaper so you have someone to clean, cook, and watch the kids. <laughs> Essentially. Good luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's another aborted Department of Labor investigation and still no concern whatsoever at USRC until Hazel Vincent's mother says, I want money for my daughter's illness. She is spending so much money on doctors to try and heal her. And it's all because of you people. So pay up. And now when there's the threat of, you know, a possible lawsuit or, you know, even asking for compensation, now they snap to and they start to investigate. There's already a panic going on. Word's starting to get around. It's getting harder to hire and keep girls. And so then we get, we get some we get some good women in here, all right? Yes, we do. We get, we we've go. already got good women. A lot of these women were, were, were wonderful people. They were they were gracious and kind and intelligent. Um, but here we have some women who are coming in to save the day or at least help. Um, the Consumers League gets called for an independent investigation, and Catherine Wiley, the uh, executive secretary, manages to get a list of the afflicted. The company decides, okay, we'll do it, um, an independent investigation, independent. Uh, They hire uh, doctors Cecil and Catherine Drinker. Uh, Cecil is a professor of physiology at uh, Harvard. And well paid. Yes. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's just really, when when the drinkers are going around, it's so funny to say that, um, when the drinkers (laughs) are going around talking to people, even the top men at the company, when they're like the the head of chemistry, his lesions on his hands are pointed out, there's a complete lack of concern. So there's a thought that, you know, the executives went around, they were like, hey, if they ask you, you're not worried. Everything's fine. Everything's fine, right? You're fine. You're you're beautiful. You're rosy-cheeked, right? (laughs) These lesions on your hand, excessive masturbation. (laughs) You touch yourself at night and that's why you're dying. (laughs) (laughs) So they examined 25 workers and they did both the standard stuff, your average blood work, um, and they also did a glow exam. They would take a... It's a glow job. It's a, uh, Catherine Drinker would take the girls into a room where they would undress, and she would perform an exam to see where all they glowed. I want that job. <laughs> I want that job. Ladies, come in this room with me. Take off all your clothes. I'm going to turn the lights out. Let's see what happens. Like, I want that job. Why, by heavens, I can read the New York Times by the glow of your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> the compensation thing kind of hit a brick wall because there was a nice new law in New Jersey for compensation of industrial diseases. Uh, there were it was a list of diseases you could be compensated for. Nine diseases on the list. And uh, a five-month statute of limitations because everything shows up within five months. That's definitely for sure. I would love to see what that list is. Like, what can you be compensated for? Really bendy thumb. (laughs) (laughs) So the drinkers deliver the report in June 1924. The USRC basically reports back to the Department of Labor and says, well, we did the report, and uh, it pretty much exonerates us. And it says, quote, blood work practically normal. That's what they tell 
the department practically of normal. labor. Yes. That's Those... like me telling the cop I'm practically sober when he pulls me over. <laughs> so we, we get it though modern days too. It's like those icebergs were gonna melt anyway. Sure, there's supposed to be grass growing in Antarctica. Everything's fine. It's practically Pennsylvania. <laughs> Polar bears brown? Eventually it was going to happen. <laughs> and so um, Dr. Bloom actually goes to the USR. He goes to USRC and he says, look, I am treating Hazel Kuzer. She really needs some financial help. And they refuse. Catherine Schaub goes to Dr. Bloom, and this is a quote from her. The pain could only be compared with a dentist drilling on a live nerve hour after hour, day after day, month after month. These women were living with excruciating, nonstop pain and torment. It never fails to astound me how destructive humanity can be. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're something. We are incredible. Do you know there's actually animals... That have gone extinct because other animals were really tasty? <laughs> sea turtles. The Galapagos turtle was so tasty. It was, the meat of the turtle was said to be better than beef, chicken, anything out there. The dodo went extinct because the sea turtle was so tasty. Because dodo meat was considered uneatable unless you fried it in turtle fat. That all sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so, thank you. Yeah, so they would kill the turtles, and then they would have all this turtle fat, and then they'd fry the dodo, and the dodos were easy to catch, and the dodos fucking went extinct because the turtles were tasty. What the fuck is wrong with us? We, we, are, we are weird. This is why I cheer on the coronavirus. I really want to eat a turtle now, though. Yeah, really? See? 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 Why? We'll what split is... one. <laughs> After a long stint in the hospital, uh, Hazel Kuzer comes home at Thanksgiving 1924, and then she dies December 9th uh, of that same year. She is only 25 years old. Jesus her Christ. Her body was in such a state that her family had a closed casket. At 25, she died from an illness, and her body was such a state that they, they didn't want anybody to see it. Um, and her husband, Theo, and his dad, Theo Sr., had spent all of their money. The house was being foreclosed on. Uh, his dad, Theo's entire money that he'd set aside for his retirement was gone. Uh, the medical bills were almost $9,000, which is $133,000 today. That and, is our insurance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, you know, and here's the thing. I'm sorry to get on the politics thing. Here's one more reason we need socialized health care in the United States. I agree with you. And I, well, that, that was definitely a thought that popped up in my head pretty much the entire 400 pages. Yeah. So we start getting some occupational hazard and disease specialists into the mix. Uh, Dr. Alice Hamilton is the founder of industrial toxicology, as in the thing. She founded all the entire idea of industrial toxicology. And she's also... Harvard faculty under Dr. Cecil Drinker. There he is. So, um, Boy, I bet that was an awkward Christmas party that year. Yeah. <laughs> the, Cecil? Yeah. The very first suit is uh, filed by Marguerite Carlo. She gets a lawyer. She files against USRC for $75,000, which is $1.1 million today. Uh, I wonder if it gets annoying that I'm always translating it in today's money, but I figure it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it sink doesn't in. work in context. It you know? doesn't sink in. If you say seventy-five thousand, you're going like, oh, seventy-five thousand. If you say one point one million, you go oh, still, you know, for your fucking skeleton rotting away inside your body while you're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Still not a lot, but it makes it a little bit more 
palatable. Yeah, mm. yeah. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I think I wrote stats, so I'm assuming statistics, starts a national investigation into industrial poisons in spring 1925. They questioned a few girls at the Ottawa plant, but it's all kept very hush-hush. Really, it only lasts about three weeks because it's just too expensive to follow up. Um, and you have an inspector, Sven Kier, K-J-A-E-R. There's just no way to ever pronounce that correctly. Kier. Kier. He, that's got to be Swedish. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's Sven. We, yeah, Sven Kier. Sven That Kier. sounds about Kier. right. Yeah. I, I, I saw Swedish children's books this week. It had a goat and a baby goat, and it told me to get killing. <laughs> And I had, to, I, had to, I had to talk to my Swedish buddy Holson. Git is Swedish for goat. Killing is Swedish for a baby goat. I really thought that you were just hallucinating and the baby goat was telling you to get killing. No, get okay. killing. Get killing. I, I was going to ask what drug you were taking and you never take it again. <laughs> also, so. I, was watching, I was watching a Swedish film and at the end of it, it was like all subtitled. I had to go to my, my buddy Holson and said, can you explain something to me? At the end of the movie, why did it call me a slut? And it turns out slut is the fin- is the Swedish word for the end. <laughs> <laughs> so Inspector Sven Kier did this investigation. Even in a three-week investigation, he managed to come up with the result that radium is fucking dangerous. And no one told the girls. Which, it, it just... It, it, um... Yeah, it's... I mean, it's really fucking dangerous. It is... Like the the type of radium that they were using is is known as a uh, radium two two eight, and it was found to be one of the most vicious cancer causing to the skeletal system of the human body. There was different radiums, uh, like radium two two six. Exposure to that was not nearly as deadly as two two eight, but two two six doesn't glow quietly as quite as brightly. Uh, so yeah, two two eight, and yeah, just. There's fucking nothing that these women could have done to survive. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It was it was hopeless from the from the beginning, but they didn't know that, and nobody even knew that that was the cause at the right. moment. Of some people just suspected. Uh, Catherine Wiley she finds out about the drinkers' report, and her boss at uh, the Consumers League says, "Well, I've seen it." Even though um, she talks to Dr. Alice Hamilton, who remember works under. Dr. Cecil, and Alice Hamilton is like, the full report definitely didn't get up to your boss, because I, I, I think I know what's in that report, and something would have been done. So in this report, it was uh, established that radium was responsible for illnesses and deaths, and the hypothesis that Dr. Drinker came up with was that radium was similar to calcium, so uh, the human body sends it straight to the bones, um, because it thinks, hey, calcium, make bones stronger. Nope, doesn't do that. Starts burrowing in and doing some hard damage. And that whole blood work practically normal thing, none of the blood work was entirely normal. Some of it had big changes. Some was, quote, practically normal. But even an employee who had been there for two weeks had changed blood. So that practically normal, that was, a, should, should have been a fucking politician, that dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back at USRC, it's only when their first male employee dies of radium that they bring in a brilliant doctor named Harrison Martland, who is the one that devised the test that proved once and for all that radium had poisoned the women. And Harrison Martland, he is actually 
the uh, chief medical examiner for Essex County, which the timing works out uh, pretty well here, not for George L. Warren, who was his predecessor and died on May 21st, 1925. But then uh, Harrison Martland comes in and he's like, yeah, 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 uh, we, we, got, we got a guy who's dead because he had actually been brought in before. Uh, you know, some, some of the others who had looked into this had, had tried to get him interested. He looked at a couple of things and, was, and as he put it, lost interest. When, when it was girls. When it's a guy, it's a whole different story. Um, you also had uh, Dr. Frederick Hoffman, who was a statistician specializing in industrial diseases. He had written a paper connecting radium to the illnesses, presented it to the American Medical Association. So you would think this would be big news. Radium, this thing that everybody is in their water and their jock straps and whatnot, is, is not safe. Uh, he, he said basically radium is not safe just because it's in minute quantities because it has a cumulative effect over the years. Uh, and he says uh, any claims that it was healthy were almost kind of right at the beginning. Only at the beginning when you first start ingesting it because it will stimulate the marrow to produce more red blood cells. So these girls who are working at the factory, at first they might see an improvement in their health. They might have a little more jaunt in their step. You know? But <laughs> Until their leg falls off. Exactly! Because then... Atomic floozies on the loose! That stimulation oh becomes overstimulation of the marrow, which can cause necrosis and anemia. Too much of a good thing. Exactly. And it is still not the earth-shattering uproar you would hope for. It's just kind of quiet and nobody's, you know... People are people are rotting away here. Marguerite Carlo, the one who had the, uh, the first suit, uh, her head was basically rotting. This is how it was put. Her head was rotting. Everything inside her head was rotting. She was anemic. She weighed 90 pounds. And that's not the lightest we'll see either. Um, so uh, you mentioned the first death. That was uh, Dr. Lehman. He was the chief chemist. He was, I believe, I'm almost certain, the one who, when the drinkers came through and did their report, he was the one who was, oh, no, 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 I'm not worried. It's fine. He died, uh, was only sick for a few weeks, really. Like, it was, it, it, at least he didn't have to suffer horribly like many of these women for years on end. Well, he also wasn't ingesting it, so it wasn't eating it from yeah. the inside. He was getting it from the outside. That's first. true. Yeah, yeah. And actually, according to Martland, that is what's worse. He said the damage was many thousands of times greater when ingested versus when coming to contact with. So it won't be the cumulative effect. It'll be more like, you know. Okay. It kind of makes sense. He was only getting it from the outside in. Yeah, because he, he didn't do the painting. Right. The girls were getting it from the outside and the inside. Yeah. It was essentially finding its way towards the middle of them. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And so Martland and Von Sachaki, who uh, is now, <laughs> he's now like, yeah, this shit's dangerous, guys. This shit's dangerous. He had already been a little bit, you know, like, you know, don't do that. You'll get sick uh, when, when one of the girls was, was lip pointing. But now he's like, no, oh, this is bad. They are, are going to do an autopsy on Dr. Lehman. They, Martland does manage to get a USRC specialist in because he wants to do tests for an autopsy. But in order to get this specialist in, he has to promise to keep the results a secret. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Oops. and this is actually the very first measurement of radioactivity in a human body. They... What they do is they test his ashes with an electrometer. At the moment, at this point in time, they would quickly find another route. But at this point in time, the only way they could do it was with the, if the human body was ashes. 
which these girls were like, I'm, I mean, I'm on my way there, but don't rush me. <laughs> so, and the results were that the cause of death were, was radium poisoning. His remains were absolutely, completely radioactive Man. through and through. See, you, you were saying earlier, it just kind of, it just kind of struck me that I want, it's a very human thing to try to cutesify stuff. Like you were saying that it was measured in curies, mm -hmm. but I've always heard sunshine units and sunshine it, units. that's so cute. And there's another unit of radiation for smaller, like for smaller doses called a banana. The yep, banana. We do like to cutesify things. Yeah. We really do like to cutesify the terrifying. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. And this is pretty, pretty terrifying. Vaughn Sachaki, uh, he says, okay, Martland, you got to look at the girls. I know, you know, you're the chief medical examiner, so normally this would maybe be after death, but let's, can we, can we do this? So they go to the hospital to see Marguerite Carlo and her sister, Sarah Meleffer. I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. That sounds like a curse word. That's it not does. like a word you, it does. you stupid Meleffer. So I'm going to use that from now on. Be like, it's a name. Well, it's short for Malefucker. <laughs> Hey everybody, Christy here. Just wanted to let you know we are turning this into a two-parter because of two reasons, actually. It is pretty epically long uh, as far as our episodes go. And also we are practicing social distancing because of the coronavirus. So no worries though, uh, we will always find a way to deliver your weekly dose of old-timey crimey as long as we are healthy. So uh, we will see you next week. Stay healthy and stay sane. And we're all in this together. Bye. My sources for this week are the book Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Highly recommended. Wikipedia and Oak Ridge Associated Universities. Uh, my sources are the Atomic Heritage Foundation, mostly just because I loved their name. BuzzFeed by Kate Moore. Uh, an article on CNN.com from Jacopo Prisco? Yes. Um, Good old Jacopo. Jacopo, yeah. Uh, an article on NPR written by Rebecca Hersher. An article on Roadtrippers.com by Alexandra Cheriton. And an article on from ConnecticutHistory.org by Nicole Fontaine. My sources for this week are the ever-popular Wikipedia... The Colorado Poets Center .org, believe it or not, and the wonderful and highly recommended Stuff You Missed in History podcast. Mm, that's a good one.